0: Good morning, everybody. So the lesson this morning is going to be uh, coming from 1 Timothy chapter 2, uh, verses 9 and 10. Um, I think maybe before talking more about it, uh, some reasoning for the lesson, uh, maybe if some of you see the title, you know, immediately you kind of tense up like, oh boy, you know, what are we in for <laughs> this morning? Um... The nature of this lesson, with looking at you know verses nine and ten, and thinking about what the Bible says about clothing, um, there's not like one particular person or a couple people in the group where I'm like, I really hope they're listening this morning. Um, you know, if this does convict you, if the material um, makes you maybe rethink things you've thought before, then you're in my same boat as well. Um, you know, I think it's just very important that we're just open to everything the Bible says. But I've wanted to give a lesson on this for a couple years now, and every time I think about it, I'm like, hmm, maybe I need to think more about it. And that's kind of what's happened over the past two or three years. Like, every time I think about this lesson, you know, I, I always have some reason to delay teaching it. And, you know, I've talked to older women from time to time, you know, kind of with this lesson in mind for over and over again. And, and so it's just, it's about that time <laughs> where, um, where I think it would be helpful uh, to give a lesson on this. So if you look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, there's some gender-specific instructions. So you have in verses 1 through 7, general instructions about prayer, you know, pray for these people in these ways. Verse 8, you have an instruction seemingly more so for men um, to lead prayer in every place, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. And I think there's some gender-specific struggles even there without wrath and dissension. There may be something implied about something, you know, men may need to pay particular attention to. Not that women wouldn't have those struggles as well, but that maybe for men. There might be something more to that that needs to be considered. So in verse 9, likewise, I want women to adorn themselves with proper clothing, modestly and discreetly, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly garments, but rather by means of good works, as is proper for women making claim to godliness. And I think it's important that we're not ashamed of these instructions or embarrassed by them or you know, cowardly or timid in the fact that this is in the Bible in the New Testament and these are instructions that we need to pay attention to. Um, I've observed and been a part of a lot of conversations about this passage and modesty and things like that. And this is a very sensitive topic and we'll talk about that more in just a second. Um, but I think we have to be careful to just say what the Bible says about things here in verse 9. Um, something I hear very commonly in modesty, what I hear commonly is that modesty is not so much what you wear, it's your heart condition. That's true. I do think modesty does stem from the heart but in verse, verse 9, I mean he says I want women to adorn themselves with proper clothing modestly and discreetly. So modesty is talked about here even as a word qualifying the clothing that is to be worn. So although modesty is an issue of the heart, first of all, here, it is in direct reference to the kind of clothing that's worn here, right? So we need, we need to talk about it. So I, I, with this lesson, we're gonna be splitting it into two lessons. And I wanna think about why it's important to talk through and about these things, even publicly. Um, and with these lessons, I'm gonna be doing the next lesson more on modesty and on this lesson, more as what it says about wearing proper clothing. The Bible really approaches the idea of clothing from two angles. One is the idea of being underdressed and exposing nakedness. That's what we're going to focus on today. I think that's really the, the fundamental issue of clothing that we need to address first. And then modesty is actually very related, but it's its, its own distinct topic, actually. So we'll deal more with modesty next time, next week, Lord willing. But I want to make sure we have enough room in this lesson just to think about this and kind of focus on this specifically. And so why is it important to talk about these things? Well, first of all, um, I don't know, just think about how important this is. What is verse 9 saying? God cares about how we choose to dress. That matters. Just think about how impactful that principle is. God cares about how we choose to dress, the kind of clothing that we wear. Right? I think maybe a very minor way to think about this, and again, I, I realize this is a minor illustration. When I was living in Alabama and working with the church there, um, the brethren there would like give me dress clothes a lot, like suits and like button-down shirts. I don't know if they just didn't like what I would wear. <laughs> I don't know. I wear the same thing a lot too. Um, but anyway, they would get these clothes at thrift stores and things like that, and they had no concern over whether or not it fit me. They would just give me these clothes, and they were oftentimes, like, way, way too big for me. So, like, it would, like, be ballooning out of my, you know, it was too tall and all that stuff. So getting married to Eva, she really doesn't like when I wear those shirts. So I've stopped wearing them. (laughs) So she has an opinion. She said, Brian, I just, I really don't like the way that those oversized shirts look on you. And it's like, okay, fine. I mean, I've got other shirts that fit better, so I'll wear those. So, you know my wife, because I'm close to her, her opinion, she wasn't giving me some law or like instruction saying, you know, we're going to get divorced if you wear those clothes anymore. It's like nothing like that. But she matters to me. And so her opinion holds a great deal of weight in something like my clothing choices. So if that's true for close relationships like that, I mean, wow, how much more than Jesus who died for us how much more, if God even expresses the threat of a desire, should we just, wow, bend ourselves, surrender ourselves, run towards that, and conform ourselves and reshape our entire view to make sure that what God wills, even if it's just a small desire, you know, I just completely bend myself to whatever he wills. And so whatever God, I think it's fair to say, whatever God has to say about clothing... That comes first, right? That we need to be willing to bend, reshape whatever God says about clothing, whatever he says is proper. Again, verse 9, adorn themselves with proper clothing. Whatever that is, that's what we need to wear, right? That's the first principle. God cares about how we dress. And I know it's uncomfortable coming from a guy, but I want you to think about this as well, that I think 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus are really kind of like an evangelist's outline of needed sermon topics. Um, if you look forward at chapter 4 particularly, um, look at chapter 4 verse 11. This is something that's said to Timothy a lot. Prescribe and teach these things. So we talked about a few weeks ago, um, based on the fact that the qualities of elders are in 1 Timothy and Titus, that I've come to the conclusion, I'm persuaded that an evangelist has a responsibility to make sure that those things are being taught, that that's being thought about, that men are taking those things seriously. So really, no matter what I may feel about the subject, an evangelist has a responsibility. This is something that he needs to talk about and teach publicly. And so Timothy, a young single man, was responsible for making sure that this is something that's advocated and taught on. With this being a sensitive subject in Acts chapter 20, so there are a few particularly sensitive subjects in the Bible where if you are like even to bring it up in a sentence, you may just in a general sense expect that it's going to maybe create some tension. This is one of those subjects. I'm very aware of that. Very aware that you bring up clothing and modesty. You're dealing with a very personal subject, a very emotionally sensitive subject. Um, but Paul to the elders at Ephesus, he said, I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I did not shrink back from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. So there's going to be subjects where maybe because of pressure or sensitivity, worry of how things are going to be responded to, there's a tendency to say, well, maybe I won't talk about that. But that's not a healthy culture to develop as a church, right? We've got to just lay it all out there, whatever the Bible talks about, we should be able to talk about it, even disagree on it, talk through it, study it together, teach on it. Um, and I want to say this too: I've been here for about five and a half years now, and one thing that particularly encourages me about the church here is I've tried just to teach on everything in the Bible and sensitive subjects—not not to do it, just to do it. You know, but you know, we need to teach the whole counsel of God. And I've never, in my experience here, ever had what I would perceive to be a negative response to a difficult teaching. Um, and it's something that very, very much encourages me here and I think cultivates the right kind of culture in a local church where every time I bring up something in a sermon or a Bible class that's difficult or sensitive, there's always an eagerness to listen, to want to study more, there's conversations that come out of it. And so that's, that's the hope here. I'm, I'm more inviting everybody, think with me about this, right? And if you disagree... I'm open to being challenged on it. You know, I'll understand it better. And, you know, I try to ask questions from others about subjects like this and and I'm learning too. So something that may be helpful with this not to just keep hammering on this specific point here in the introduction. Um, I don't wanna undermine the importance that this is a topic that right there in 1 Timothy 2, 9, women have a particular need for this instruction, right? but maybe sharing some of my experience might be be helpful too. So about 10 years ago, when I was starting to read my Bible a lot more seriously and think about God's character more seriously, I think it was more just thinking about who God is and God's character, you know, that God is himself extraordinarily humble, modest, how he presents himself as modest, and that just kind of started to give me a greater awareness of myself and what I was wearing, and I would come across passages like this and it made me think more seriously like maybe my clothing choices aren't proper and I know this might be awkward (laughs) I'm not encouraging you to imagine this but I used to wear clothes that my shirts were extremely tight my shorts were very short and I just began to feel a greater sense of shame of you know like this doesn't feel proper right and so I I had to about 10 years ago begin renovating my closet. And getting rid of shorts that I felt just biblically, I felt a greater deal of shame with wearing those things and how much of my body it was showing and shirts that were extremely tight to my body and felt very revealing began to make me very uncomfortable. So again, I don't want to undermine that this is this is a subject for women. I have personally had to make many changes because of what the Bible says about this. And I continue to wrestle with it and think more about greater principles that I can be applying and how this can be shaping my thinking and there's still things I talked to Eva about with how I with principles of nakedness and exposure how I need to think more about these things and studying for this has continued to help me with that so for whatever it's worth so really here's what we're going to be considering um, you're not going to hear me use the word modesty very much because again that's more next week what we're going to be looking at more today is is the standard of nakedness determined by culture and I think it can be easy to think about it that way, right? Like we're always just maybe a few steps ahead of our culture. And man, culture is always shifting, changing, you go to Japan, they dress a certain way there, you go to India, they dress a certain way there, come to America, we don't dress a certain way here, you know, so like, how people dress in cultures changes dramatically, and there's no real standard then of what constitutes nakedness or exposure. So. We want to think fairly about that, you know. So is there a clearer, solid standard that we can be standing on with a question like that? And is nakedness determined by social setting? So that would be like going to the beach. Is it all of a sudden okay for me to take off my clothes in the beach setting because I'm around water all of a sudden? Um, is it because the weather is hot and it's uncomfortable to wear clothes so I'll just take off my clothes because it's more comfortable that way? Um, or even like certain events, you know, where everybody in that social setting, sporting activities, is it okay because now I'm playing a sport, now I can, you know, look a certain way. So we're going to be thinking about those things in the lesson. And this might be a surprising one, is covering nakedness determined by lust or sexual attraction? I think what we're going to see is that's more a modesty issue, and that is a factor. But I mean, think about the problem with this, right? Um, I'm not trying to be like, crude here, but someone may to me be completely unattractive, right? Does them exposing their nakedness because of a lack of sexual attraction somehow all of a sudden less shameful? Or is nakedness not nakedness just because sexual lust is all of a sudden not involved? Um, So we want to think about that too, is is nakedness dependent on a person's sexual attraction, right? And these again, like I think we may think about the wrong thing a lot of times and we're thinking about clothing, we're not thinking about first things first. So then finally, we're going to think, well, what does it mean to cover our nakedness? Like, how should we think about covering our bodies in a, again, a proper way, It's 1 Timothy 9 says. So I think it's fair, just like when Jesus was asked about marriage and what what is the purpose of marriage. I mean, if you want to know the purpose of a thing, go right back to the beginning of when you first see that thing created. Um, and I think clothing is no different. So let's let's go back to Genesis chapter 2 and 3. And I think there is some very powerful lessons here when you really think through this with principles that we find in Genesis. So I would argue we see clothing's first, most important purpose in the beginning with Adam and Eve. And we're going to start in chapter 3 and then we're going to rewind and kind of look through things from the lens of what's said in chapter 3, verse 21. So chapter 3, verse 21, these are are garments God made here. So uh, verse 21, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. This is the first time we see God making clothing, putting clothing on. There was a kind of garment made before this. um, But this this is what we see first. The Lord made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Here's what I'll argue. The primary purpose of clothing is to cover one's nakedness. So we might like look at clothing and think like, well, you know, is it fashionable? Is it attractive? Is this the color I like? Is this going to be comfortable for me with the weather? You know, there's a lot of different reasons we look at clothing and choose clothing that aren't necessarily, they aren't bad reasons, right? But really, what's the first thing we should be thinking about when we're looking at our closets or we're thinking about clothing or purchasing clothes? I would argue the first and primary purpose, why does clothing even exist? It is to cover. It is to cover our nakedness. So the first question is, if I'm going to be dressing myself, the first question is, does this cover my body? Does this cover my nakedness? That's, that is why clothing was made by God now if you go back to chapter 2 before sin entered the world right God created the world seven days put Adam and Eve in the garden of Eden there was no sin at this point they were tending the garden they had dominion and in verse 25 after God made Eve as a helpmeet for Adam it says in verse 25 the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed First thing I want to bring out here is I would again, these are arguments I'm making that I think are applications at least of principle. Would you say it's fair from this to say it is possible to be naked and to be unaware and to be unashamed? Now here it was a good thing, right like sin hadn't entered the world after they sin they become hyper aware of their nakedness, but at least in principle, right? It is possible to be naked and to be both unaware of it and unashamed of it. And we have to acknowledge that possibility, right? It's possible to be naked and to be unaware of it. And what's implied in verse 25 is this was about to change. So the fact that they were naked and unashamed is very unusual, right? Because something that was about to happen where they were about to be very ashamed of their nakedness shortly after it's it's said here. And so we need to be... Aware again, just like somebody can be unashamed with lying, cheating, stealing, hatred, and those things can be done, again, without any sense of shame or awareness of what really is going on and how how bad that is or, or sinful it is. You know, showing nakedness is a shameful thing. I want to go to just a couple passages to just to try to again support the argument that this is something that is consistent through the Bible and. Just a couple examples. Look at Isaiah chapter 47, verse 3. Isaiah 47, verse 3. Again, with the idea that to reveal nakedness is not something that we should be unashamed of. It's not something that we should admire. It's not something we should be jealous of if women in our culture are wearing very, very little. We shouldn't want to be like that. We shouldn't look at that as a model. Chapter 47, verse 3. It's talking about judgment um, toward Israel. He says, your nakedness will be uncovered. Your shame will be exposed. I will take vengeance and will not spare a man. Biblically, the, the word that is most associated with nakedness is actually not lust. It's shame. Look at Jeremiah 13. Um, just as one more example of this, Jeremiah 13, 26 Um, You see it a lot in the prophets where nakedness and shame are talked about a lot together. And God kind of figuratively talking about his judgment as in I will judge you and to try to illustrate the shame of that, it's going to be like I'm exposing your nakedness to view. Uh, Jeremiah 13, verse 26. So I myself have also stripped your skirts off off over your face that your shame may be seen, right? So again, showing nakedness biblically is portrayed as a shameful thing, not as something that is to be admired, not something that's even normal, right? It's improper to show nakedness. Let's go back to chapter 3, verse 7 of Genesis. Chapter 3, verse 7. So when Adam and Eve became aware of their nakedness and were ashamed because they had sinned, they had eaten from the forbidden fruit, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, It says, then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. So here's the question Adam and Eve made clothing, didn't they? Was it appropriate? Had they created clothing that adequately covered their nakedness? I think it's interesting when you look at verse 21 they're still wearing these things is the implication the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and what did he do? he clothed them the implication is what they had made for themselves in God's sight they were still naked they were wearing something but they were unclothed and they still needed to be clothed by God right? so was it appropriate? no it wasn't what they created was inadequate. And I want to think further about this, right? So think about Adam and Eve as like the world's first culture. What they thought culturally and what they had made culturally was that adequate? Meaning our culture may give clothing, make clothing, but just because our culture makes it, does that mean it's automatically as a clothing piece adequately covering? Or even if it's acceptable culturally and everybody approves of it, does that make it acceptable, appropriate, or proper clothing to cover one's nakedness? Adam and Eve, this to them, it seems like for them this was, in their eyes, completely adequate. In God's eyes, no, it wasn't. Um, So clothing, again, just to simply review, if there's one thing you can remember from this lesson, I really think it's, it's one of the most powerful points we could think of. The primary purpose of clothing is to cover one's nakedness. Not its fashion statement, not its comfort. Um, the primary purpose for clothing, the reason is to cover what God deems to be our nakedness. That's, that's what clothing is, is for, first and foremost. So what should be covered? And I want to ask a question here. Is there consistency with what we see in terms of parts of the body, when God is dealing directly with clothing, talking about clothing, is there any kind of consistency we can see where God is dealing with the same things over and over again? And think about it this way. If you go out to eat with me consistently, and you notice when I order a burger, I'm like, no tomatoes, please. And then you go out to meet, eat with me again, I get another burger, so I say, hold the tomatoes. And then they bring me a burger with tomato, and I open it up, and I say, ooh, no, 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 I've got to send this back. You know, I, I can't eat a tomato. Then you come over to my apartment, and you open my fridge, and you look in my fridge, and you're looking for ingredients for a sandwich, and you're like, oh, no tomato. And you remember, well, Brian keeps saying, like, no tomato. I like tomatoes, by the way. But just, just like for illustration, right? Um, that Eventually, you see, okay, so Brian has a preference, and I'm noticing that as I'm spending time with him, I'm seeing like he's making these decisions, and it doesn't seem to be an accident at some point, Right? So in terms of what should be covered, I do want to start with defining a little bit more this, this garment that God gave Adam and Eve. So in verse 21, the Lord made garments. This word in the Hebrew, this isn't just a generic word for like any possible clothing, like t-shirt, pants, whatever. This is actually a specific word that implies tunic or coat. So this isn't just he gave them a shirt to put on to cover the top half of their body. This word specific, it's a specific word that means he made them tunics of animal skin, a coat. Um, this is the same word used for Joseph's special coat in Genesis 38. Um, you know, and I didn't bring a picture for the lesson, but I mean, you just Google search, like Joseph the coat of many colors. And like what's put up there is like, This robe that he has wrapped around him, going down at least to the knees. And so, like, obviously, when you imagine Joseph and a tunic of many colors, you're thinking about something that is, you know, not skin tight, like wrapped against his body, but you're thinking about, like, again, like a piece of clothing that is at least covering the chest, the back, the waist, the rear, the thigh. And by the way, the point of this lesson, I want to be careful, like, as a teacher, It's important to not teach more than what the Bible says. It's important to not teach less than what the Bible says. So I'm trying to be like really thorough in making a case here, but I also don't want to be extreme, right? The point of this isn't like exact inches or like three inches from the knee or whatever, but at least understanding that in principle, we see parts of the body that these garments, like no argument, these garments definitely cover at least these parts of the body here, chest, stomach, back, waist, thigh. So the same word is also used to describe the type of clothing, at least a part of the clothing that priests would wear in Exodus 40. Um, And by the way, as we turn there, I'm not saying we need to dress like priests. Um, Exodus 40. It is not Exodus 40. Um, I think it's Exodus 28. Uh, Yeah, it's Exodus 28, 40 through 43. Not Exodus 40. Exodus chapter 28. Forty through forty three. So again, the point isn't, you know, we have to dress like priests or the garments of a priest. But think about it this way, like if if you have a daughter, hypothetically, and she comes downstairs and you say, Whoa, hold on, you're not going out in that. And then she says, you know, okay, I'll go and change. And you say, No, wear this. And what is given, you know, it may not mean that you have to wear exactly that all the time, but at least like what that is covering is at least cover those same things, right? So what we're looking at is, in principle, is there consistency between what we see in Genesis, Exodus, God is giving priests these garments, and we can at least fairly just look at what we find. Uh, verse 40, For Aaron's sons you shall make tunics, that's the same word, tunics, you shall also make sashes for them, and you shall make caps for them for glory and for beauty, you shall put them on Aaron your brother and on his sons with him, and you shall anoint them and ordain them and consecrate them that they may serve me as priests. Notice in verse 42, you shall make for them linen breeches to cover their bare flesh or to cover their nakedness. And they shall reach from the loins even to the thighs. They shall be on Aaron and on his sons when they enter the tents of meeting or when they approach the altar to minister in the holy place so that they not incur guilt and die. It shall be a perpetual or it shall be a statute forever to him and to his descendants after him. So again, Aaron and his sons, not that we have to dress like priests, but they're given a tunic. And when I imagine this, you know, this isn't like something skin tight. It's not pasted onto their body in its form, but it's a garment from the chest, you know, down to at least, you know, somewhere in the thigh area. And specifically in verse 42, they're to make very careful, be very careful to make sure that these linen breeches cover their um, little loins to the thigh, Right? So again, not trying to give exact measurements, but in principle, I think we're seeing the same thing, that when God deals with clothing someone himself, he's making sure that certain parts of the body, chest, the back, the waist, the stomach, the thigh, the rear, that we can know for absolute certainty that these are parts of the body that these garments are consistently covering. And verse 42, to cover their nakedness, right? So God is concerned that making sure that they are covering parts of the body that would be shameful to reveal. This was a little bit of a challenging one. So turn to Revelation 3, 18. And I say challenging because it deals with nakedness. And I think there's a consistency here, but this is figurative, right? So Revelation 3 isn't talking about literal garments, but I think you'll see still the application that we can make the consistency that we see with these principles. Revelation 3, um, really it's verse 18. We're going to start in verse 14. He's talking to the church in Laodicea. The church is not doing well spiritually. And so let's see what he says, starting in verse 14. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, The Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God says this I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth, because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy. And have need of nothing. And you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may become rich, and white garments, so that you may clothe yourself, and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed, and I salve to anoint your eyes, so that you may see. So you remember again, is it possible to be naked, to be unaware, to be unashamed of it? So I, I realize this is figurative, but he's saying it's like the Christians here are naked. And totally unaware of it, and they need to clothe themselves. And verse 18, that word for garments is another word that means tunic coat. And so this isn't again just like a shirt or you know an utterly generic word, and we can't understand at all what kind of clothing God is talking about. like no he's, he's talking specifically about a tunic type garment, exactly the kind of type of clothing. We saw in Genesis, we saw in Exodus, we see in Revelation. So at the very least, I would argue that there is a consistency, that when God is clothing someone or covering their nakedness, there are parts of the body that are consistently covered. So again, not dealing with measurements and trying not to be extreme, trying not to say more than what the Bible says, but also just being really careful to not say less is clothing that we see God giving clearly covers chest, back, stomach, waist, rear thighs slash upper leg, right? Um, So that kind of leaves us the question, when and how should we cover, right? Like are there settings in which there would be exceptions to these things? And I do think there are settings that are an exception, right? Think about a husband and a wife who are married That in their own home, not in a public setting, right, but in their own home, uh, is it a shame for a husband or a wife to uh, be unclothed? No. Think about a parent and a child, like a toddler, you know, a parent bathing their baby. There's nothing shameful about that. Like a doctor, healthcare provider giving medical treatment or something like that, you know, there's, I think, obviously, there's no shame in those situations. But I think pretty clearly, and I think inarguably, that there's no case at all, biblically or otherwise, that can be made that there's any exception for social settings, right? And so there's no exception in the Bible you can point to that says, well, if you're at the beach, now all of a sudden it's okay to wear nearly nothing because water is all of a sudden within your vicinity, right? And just kind of like, kind of a side note with like, just learning to think about things honestly, you know, if a person took a picture of themselves, in a bikini at a beach, it's okay. But if they were in like a setting at a business or in a normal social setting, now it'd be like, like, wow, that's very scandalous. Like, like, whoa, like why are you presenting yourself publicly in a picture in this way, right? So, you know, again, like you just have to think the world is not consistent and we need to think consistently, right? There's, there's not exceptions for these um, social settings. And I don't think weather or comfort is an exception. I think this applies to men and women. This is nakedness, we see uniformity. It's not saying women should be considering covering more than men. You know, in terms of nakedness, even though anatomy might be different, we're dealing with the same body parts uniformly between both a man and a woman. This is something that, you know, men, me, that I need to think about as well. You know, so because it's hot outside, I know it would be more comfortable to wear less clothing But really, comfort isn't a factor necessarily in dealing with, well, necessarily, comfort is not a factor when dealing with whether or not your nakedness is exposed, right? And sporting events, right? Playing volleyball, running, um, uh, gymnastics, you know, these things you don't, you can't make a biblical case. I don't believe that all of a sudden because you're playing a sport, now that means exposing nakedness is all of a sudden not shameful anymore. And this was pointed out to me, and I thought this was such a fair point. Women's gymnastics, men's gymnastics, and again, I don't, I'm not trying to put a vision in your mind, but women gymnasts tend to not really wear very much, at least not any pants, right? And their clothing is extremely tight. Men gymnasts, they wear footy pajamas. That I mean, it's like they're tight on their ankles, but they're kind of baggy. Their shirts, it's like men gymnasts are pretty buff, so like their shirts will be kind of tight, but like even their shirts are like more baggy. Are those men gymnasts catastrophically restricted by wearing baggier garments that aren't just like pasted onto their form? Is that hindering their performance at all? So just think, okay, what, what, well, what's going on? And I think, again, our society, the sexualization of women, I think is a really big part of why certain decisions are made and why certain pressures exist. And I think again, we'd have to be honest about that and try to get, get out of that mentality um, entirely. So sporting events and running, gymnasts, whatever, um I don't think we can make any exception for those kinds of things. So what does it mean to cover and what kind of clothing covers? So I kind of been hinting at it this whole time, you know, does does skin tight clothing or see through clothing does that adequately cover? Because right, there may be clothing on your body, but is that biblically? Is that what God intended in terms of what He means when He's talking about covering your nakedness? I want to illustrate this with a fence. <laughs> so this fence, you have no idea what's on the other side. You know, it's pretty tightly put together. It's firm. Compare that to this fence. You know, so this fence is designed to keep people out, but you can see everything on the other side. And you probably want to pet that horse, right? <laughs> and you probably want to go up to that fence, and you want to interact with it. But, you know, this fence keeps you out, but it teases what's on the other, It allows you to see through what's to the other side. Which fence do you think, and when we're dealing with biblical covering of nakedness as something that's shameful, what do you think is more what we're dealing with in terms of covering? Think about a wrapped present. Um, can you guess what's inside of that present? No, and it's, it's pretty, it looks nice, it's well-wrapped, but I don't know what's in there compared to this present. <laughs> so it's like, I know exactly what that is. You know, I don't have to guess about that. Like, that's clearly a bicycle, and I can guess its measurements and size, you know, and who that's for. I mean, there's, there's no doubt what that is. It's wrapped, but I mean, is that, is that covered? Is that really what we're thinking of when we think of biblically something that's shameful to reveal. And I think, again, we just, you have to think honestly, like what are we dealing with with when we're thinking about covering a person's body? And again, to illustrate that, I'm not just trying to pick on the culture of women here. When I was working out a lot of this and thinking through this, a lot of conversations and time that I needed. I remember one time I was at work at UPS and it was like wear jeans to work day with management. And I wore these jeans that one of my employees was like, hey, look at you, you're wearing skinny jeans, man. And I remember I was really embarrassed. And he saw that, and he started making fun of me more and more. But I remember that made me think, like, you know what? I don't want to wear something in the world, and they were really tight, right? And I didn't want to wear something that even someone in the world would be like, dude, I can see exactly, like, how tight this is. Like, you're wearing skin-tight clothing. And so I, d- I didn't wear those jeans again. Um, and, and, and again we just have to be honest thoughtful and realize that there are just there's parts of our body we're drawing attention to it accentuating it making the form crystal clear is that really appropriate is that is that what's what we're dealing with so i would argue this this is the conclusion i would argue that clothing should cover hide the parts of our body that god would see as improper to reveal I mean, again, we've got to be careful of like not going to extremes not becoming like super critical of each other You know, I think this is a plank in our own eye kind of thing, right? Like we just need to study this We need to think about it very humbly Be very gentle about it And if we need to make changes We need to make changes So I've known people um, just kind of in, as an illustration of change. I know I've brought myself up But I've known others where in studying about this issue women who have studied this issue who have bought entirely new wardrobes because of studying this issue and being very convicted about it and persuaded what the Bible says. And I know in those situations where others have even given them money, it's like, hey, if if you're doing this because of what you see the Bible saying and you see a change needs to be made, like, we'll help you. And so I do want to say, if, if, if you feel like you need to buy different clothing, like, not to like take a risk here, but kind of like, talk to the brethren here. Like, we you know, I'll help. Eva will help. We'll, we'll help you out financially to make those decisions. And talk to Scott. Scott will help you financially. So <laughs> I'm just kidding, Scott. But maybe, maybe not. Um, but really, like, I know we want, we want to help each other. Um, apply these things. We want to assist conviction and study. And finally, if this convicts you, hold on to that, right? I know it's a huge temptation to get nervous about it and like, you know, ah, oh, he's saying the stuff in the sermon and You know, it's like, if this makes you uncomfortable, it's probably most important that you don't let go of it. And if this makes you uncomfortable and convicts you, it's most important then for you to think more about it. And the conviction may be God's soft, still voice urging you closer into his holiness, right? Because that's ultimately what this is about. God's not trying to micromanage our every little decision. You know, God is giving us principles that unite us With His holy character, and we should want and have a yearning to be more holy like God, so that we can understand Him. And just like what it says in First Timothy two, be consistent with the claim to godliness. That if I'm going to claim to be a follower of a holy God, then that should be manifested very visibly, even with my clothing, right? So if you're here this morning and you're convicted in in some way, whether that be to obey the gospel to repent of your sins and to be immersed um, for the remission of your sins or if there's anything that we can assist you with as a congregation, we re- we've reserved this time if you bring it forward in- as we stand and sing our meditation song.